this is honestly the best way to start March uh, with Beck. Uh, she's trying to hold the giggles, but you can laugh. There's no pressure here. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you right now, this guest is fire. So get ready. Um, bring your fire extinguishers and water cannons and water sprinklers. So I don't know if I want to call her past. Let's just call her a life coach. That's, that's like weak though. <laughs> Confirmed this week. No, she she she's a pastor. And then said by profession. <laughs> um, but she's very, very much involved with um young people, um generations, but two amazing kids. Love the kids, man. Um love both of them. Pipes for days, girl can sing. And um I've been trying to get her on. Get her to come and join us, but you know, she's very, very busy. Hectic schedule. I had to speak to her manager, let's manage her <laughs> to set a date for her to come through. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk to her about basically what she does, especially uh, this campaign called the Pure Campaign. She's been running it for I think close to 20 years now. We're nearly there, and she's so silent, I wonder why, but she's going to speak. Very, very soon for the first time on Breed to Inspire there we go ladies and gentlemen boys and girls give it up for Crystal Lush it's me it's me it's me what's up embarrassing how you doing I'm good man how are you I'm alright man it's kind of hot it's very um, hot it's very hot some dips it is what it is man you know um, what's your favourite Whitney Houston song ooh I wanna dance with somebody <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. Really? Mm. Why? That was like, um, because it just makes me feel like dancing. Yeah. You know, like the South Africans like to say, dance. dance. I like to dance. What do Australians say? And they say dance. We're gonna dance. <laughs> Whitney Houston is my ultimate. Yeah. You were born in Aussie. Yes. You rocked up the side many years ago mm-hmm. with your mom. How old are you? Like eight. Two. You were two? Yeah. You went like 13 or something? No, no. I went back a few times, but oh, I've okay. never lived there again after two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like two going on three. Basically, I thought African. Yeah, basically. Oh, word. I, mean, I was thinking like, you came in I'm like 13. Yeah. Oh, no. wow, man. Awesome stuff. Um, so, where does your heart for kids and teens and young people come from? Like, like, was mm. it like a, were you sleeping and then the Lord said, I want you to go and take care of the babies? Well, I think it's actually similar like to your wife. Yeah. Um, one of, well, your wife actually was one of my babies. But anyway, um, <laughs> I basically, from when I was little, I always mm. loved, I still love babies. Yeah. You'll always see me posting Hello. all my friends' babies online. Um, and I love children and stuff. And I really just believed uh, in that verse. It says in Psalms that he's ordained praise out of the mouth of babes. And yeah. he's used it to silence our enemies. Yeah. And obviously we live in South Africa. And um, we sometimes I think we're better off than a lot of other countries actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had a few enemies over the next generation. And so the combination of loving music and loving kids yeah. and just knowing that there was a key there oh, in, okay. in, in their life and in their song, 
um, I thought that there was an there was an opposite spirit that was wanting to be released out of this generation, and so I just I like to be with them. I feel most alive um, when I'm with them, and yeah, they're very they're running past us right now. Uh, they're very special to me, and I just believe like the kingdom is theirs, and also. I think I've been very not moved, but like wrecked by the injustices yeah. against children. At one stage, KZN was a leading a leading state in the world for child rape statistics, sure. and that's where these things started to come out of my heart. Like I thought, okay, I was counselling many young girls and and kids who've been raped and abused and. I just thought there's got to be a way where we, we move on a bigger scale, you know, to help them. Yeah, yeah. So I was in the office and I saw some books, you know, about this book about gender and stuff, you know, all that stuff that you know about, stuff that you always talk about. So do you go out and research this kind of stuff? Because, yes, you know a lot, eh? Mm. <laughs> I didn't even go to Boston uh, yeah, like yeah, you, uh, Captain. Oh, come on. I mean, but you, you really know a lot, or, or, is, or is some of it like based on like experience because you've spoken to some kids, you've had to walk with a number of individuals um, yeah. concerning um, any, you know, sexual conducts, I mean, proper uh, yeah. sexual conducts and gender issues and all of the identity issues and all of that. Yeah. Well, obviously, growing up in the church, um, my mom is a pastor. Yeah. My gran was a missionary to Gazankulu in Mozambique mm. when I was a little girl. Yeah. Um, and Legends, my child to Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Maybe one day you'll hear from them. Yeah. But I grew up kind of just knowing about purpose and just feeling like we were born to help, right? And yeah. born to 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 just bring rescue to other lives i also because i was born in australia yeah i was not exposed to um racism in the same way that i was exposed to when i grew up here so there was a huge it was a huge shock for me to see the level of racism because like a lot of my best friends were people of color growing up I remember I had three guy friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We met. <laughs> we, met you, we met in Gazankulu, and yeah, it was. And I remember thinking, like my my first doll was a little chocolate baby, and yeah. I remember thinking, what is going on here? Like with the situation with domestic workers and people calling them maids, and like I just saw this whole thing, and then. As I was starting to like grow up at the time in 94 and Mr. Nelson Mandela, who's actually my idol, mm. I went to Robben Island, everything. I always just thought, what is going on with South Africa? Like, this is whack. Because I never understood the segregation because yeah. I wasn't brought up like that. Okay. And um, I never, I've, I've never seen it. So I think for me, that was just part of an inherent way of living. So being in church, um, seeing that there were color divides, also I was under the leadership of Fiona Desventine, and yeah. and even now the leadership was Simon Chet. Like there's, there was no room for that. There's no room for racism, mm. and so I made sure that like all my pursuit was multicultural. So whether I had youth leaders, I wanted to make sure that you wouldn't just look up and see like 
no offense to um, youth pastors, but just a, a white guy with a comb over, yeah. uh, who's a little girl who's 13 and she lives in in Claremont, who's she gonna look up to and see and be able to follow? So that was like a driving passion in my life, yeah. to raise up leaders who could be examples right in the midst of what we we're going through. And then the other side of that was also being a woman, at the time a girl. And in our country, there's also like, and not just in our country, but in the church, there's been a lot of stigma with being a woman and in ministry and leading. There's a whole lot of scriptures that were taken grossly out of context. Yeah. So obviously like, I wasn't like born super clever. I think my brain is more creative, but when I want to know something, I make sure I've got the facts and then I would research it and stuff. Yeah. And just to to bring, I've also experienced in my life, like, um, like just different things, stuff against women as a child. You know, there's a whole lot of things and um, any kind of suppression of the next generation or woman is, is close to my heart. But I also think, that like now instead of even having to talk about it we can just do it because there's so many people that we've raised up now yeah, yeah. that are they just living their thing they don't have to be like oh i'm a feminist they just living their life and it's not about their sexual gender you know what i mean like yeah, it's not yeah. about that um and so i've studied i've researched i prayed for people i've heard stories i've seen and heard in fact i've heard up until this week stories of people within church who and i and i love the church like this is where i work mm. when i say the no, church you, you i really mean do, eh? i like the global church yeah. i love the church but yeah. doesn't mean we're perfect we made we've made huge mistakes True. and haven't always represented jesus so i've heard stories of like just intense suppression of women and taking things where there's a scripture it says women should their heads should be covered and they shouldn't speak in church and so i've really gone through notes i've read books um international speakers even th books written by men um to to actually explain not explain away but to put into contextual relevance yeah. what those scriptures actually meant mm. so that we can apply all scripture to wherever we at because why on earth like if you think of god and he's perfect in love he would never suppress half of the population you know mm. just because they were women um, right across the world you see things happening where women are um, yeah so I think that those are just things that were always like special to me and things that I had to kind of actively lead against and I was always given very incredible opportunities regardless of being a woman or a girl I started leading from when I was like 18 um, and had to lead people older than, and I always just knew it didn't matter if I was a girl or a boy or whatever it was, it just mattered if you called, you've got a purpose, you should get it done. And so yeah. I feel the same way about everything, color, race, culture, tribe, you know, everybody must be in the things, doing the things, mm. because um, any suppression of that is not the heart of yeah. what the Bible is actually trying to say. Yeah. But then, obviously, if you if you're able to like highlight certain things that are not working or things that might be going wrong in the church, um, obviously, it takes time for things to change. In, in your thinking or mentally, do you do you want to see change now, or do you understand that there is a time from what's happening now that's not really Christ-like to where we want to? Yeah, to, yeah. You know, and and how do you handle that? You know, do you take it one day at a time, uh, or has it happened rapidly or quickly? Well, I, I or? think, I mean, I think that's a very good question, and I always think that there's 
um, seasons, and those seasons can be a year or a hundred years, you know, there's been seasonal changes. Um, and as the Holy Spirit, who we believe is part of uh, the Godhead, the Trinity, as He begins to move upon hearts, we always see things being restored that were stolen. And I think there's seasons where, for instance, in our church at the time, um, when I was like when I was a teenager, I'm like 39 now. But when I was a teenager, when I was a child, we had a huge push for uh, multicultural and equality. And our church, you can see that in our church. You would never be able to say it's a white church or it's a black church. You just see across the board, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we live in Durban, so all our churches should actually be Indian churches because we've got like the biggest <laughs> Indian population. Um, the reality is, is like there were moments where we had to fight like with racism and we had to stand and we had to preach into it. We had to talk about it because yeah. the church did make a huge mistake, especially um, in the early days of the apartheid regime, the church had an opportunity to step in and to bring some clarity and freedom. Mm. And it didn't, in fact, it did the opposite. Yeah. And so if we are leading in the church, we must make sure that though we are not, um, we're not politicians, we stand for for unity and equality and we must make sure that we preach into not a personal agenda or, or political party, but we preach into what is relevant to our societies to lift them up. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's a journey. And so we went through a thing where we like literally I like had lots of youth pastors saying to me, like, how did you get that group of mixed people like how did that work because now <laughs> basically like all the kids who are in my youth group are all like married and there's just a bunch of creamies being born yeah, yeah. um and they were like how did that happen but it was on, it was intentionally it was on purpose but it was really through friendship like we spent time together we were involved in each other's lives we didn't just serve at church and then go home yeah. we knew about each other's lives we cared we we got involved with different stories um, and also have a melting pot of different kinds of cultures, classes and whatever. But then, like once that was established, it was awesome. But then, like we felt in the last four years, a wave of racism again, uh, not specifically in our church, but in the world. The world yeah. um, and not that it wasn't there, but that there's moments where we have an opportunity to speak out about it. Mm. And we have an opportunity to do that. And so I think it's a, a thing of saying, I, I want to be a prophetic person, which is basically seeing the future now. So although I know it takes time to preach into something and to bring change, I must speak it out now yeah. as though it exists because it, it is a release of the conviction within my heart. So when I say every tribe, every color, every culture must be represented in our leadership groups and our in our youth, in our kids' churches, wherever we are, we must see a representation. If we want young girls to rise and to be strong, we can't only see Beyonce leading them. We have to see yeah. us leading them. Yeah. We have to see, Ooh. you know, somebody rising up and leading from wherever they, you know, we just actually officially, um, one of our young girls, she is Tootsie. She is about to become one of our youngest youth pastors. She's like 18 and planning the south coast she's a young black and beautiful woman but and she's studying at the same time and but that's what we need to see we need to see um our future now yeah, so it's yeah, not just yeah. preaching it but we have to make decisions now based on what we want to see so we must make sure that we are living that out if i want to see that there then i must 
make sure it is happening and I make sure that that flows through into my children's lives into my, my family is a melting pot of culture as it is yeah. um, my children are known in their schools at Westville Senior Westville, um, Westville Girls and Westville Boys, Boys. they're known to be um, just completely like anti any kind of regime or race racism and it's not because we sit down and say you must be like this it's because yeah. it's our spirit like this is what it should be now and so this is how we live now there mm. is things obviously like i've been hearing stuff about women and the abuse of women and how it's justified through scripture i mean you're going to hear that over and over again through yeah, many things yeah, yeah. we must at the time we don't have to be defensive we must be offensive so defensive is sometimes just trying to defend our mistakes we have to be like no that wasn't right that's not clear that's not jesus's heart and we fix it straight away yeah. and make sure that we appropriate the equality um without being like it doesn't have to take a, a long time it just has to be like no these this is what we believe this is what we want you know yeah. um yeah now with that being said um and everything that you have mentioned um you seeing the future now was did that uh did that channel or that um frame of thought lead you to starting pure where you you actually woke up and like listen yeah i want to see young people being pure um and, and, and living in freedom and thriving and being committed to god and understanding that jesus is the way mm. and purity is actually dope. like it's a cool thing it's yeah. not it's not really an ancient thing you yeah, know? How, yeah how did we come how did you come to pure i mean i'm only joining now because i've only been part of it like what year 16 is this is year 17 this year yeah. right yeah so 17 years ago what happened um, it was a mixture of things. Obviously, I felt that we were that our kids were getting all the answers about sex. Yeah. Um, from yeah, everywhere. Yeah, sex. Yeah, sex. S e x. Um, <laughs> they were getting all the answers from outside sources, mm. and that's the worst way. Satoni. Um, and literally, you can't. We already know. Yeah. I mean, with all the new statistics and all the new research how pornography has destroyed the sexuality of entire generations. Our, the Gen Z who's coming up now, which is the ages four to 20, they are the most sexually inactive people ever before in history because they've been exposed to like a huge amount of information yeah. and they are having less personal interactions uh, because they have access to so much other crap uh, so much other stuff and it doesn't teach them personal skills it doesn't teach them intimacy it just doesn't it's not a, it's 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 good in a way people are not like sleeping around like they used to yeah. but in, uh, on the other hand it's bad that uh, you can get anything you need off a phone or a, com a computer and that that part of your life has never been addressed by the church and so we've always, that was the heart, to make sure that we were talking about the things. Like Jesus went to the Pharisees, he was like, no, you all like whitewashed tombs. Like there's stuff inside of you that needs to be sorted. And that what that's what it is. I think anything um, of impurity, like Matthew 5 verse 8, it says the pure in heart will see God. I think we yeah. haven't noticed God or needed him or seen him in our world because our brains have been cluttered by entertainment and whatever it is it can be as extreme as a porn addiction it can be uh anything that comes to infiltrate 
um, the purity of just seeing God and being able to live in that way. And if God, um, like, I just believe he has an answer for everything, even if it's not written down. I think that, like, when you take the hand of Jesus, he's able to handle everything. Your spirit, soul, and body. And so there's part of you within your body and your soul that has there's sexual there's sexual desires he created it you know he told adam and eve to multiply so there was something there and so we wanted to make sure we were talking about this stuff and let me tell you it hasn't been easy it's still not easy yeah, no, it's not. um yeah. and we often see a lot of the parent generation they're the ones who are actually struggling because there's a culture of shame and that's not what jesus came to do he came to say listen doesn't matter how out of bounds it is to talk about it I'll talk about it, not only talk about it, but shine a light, not to expose you, but to, to heal you. Yeah. And then at the other side of it was also abuse. Um, there was, I told you before, the statistics and stuff for like rape and KZN have always been really high. And I was thinking, how are we going to change that? And so obviously we know education is part of that. Um, and so I believe that it's like, it's going to take a whole mindset change. And I wanted I want to, and I've seen it happen, and I believe it's going to happen more and more. See, the mindset um, change from from sexual abuse, rape, and it's happening everywhere. Like I've spoken to court officials, it's happening from uh, like the parents of private schools to a school in a township to like it's happening. It's happening everywhere, and the major influence is pornography. Um, it is generational silence. It mm. is all of that. But I just wanted to see a different thing. I've even been thinking for young black men um, and, and how we see like suicides just escalating. It has been an issue, but even this year with Ricky Rick and so many others, that there has been a silencing of their, their emotional realm. And I think just a generalization like that, we've got like the only answer is crime, but actually the reason behind all of that and the crime and the the that hustle is because there's depression even if it's low-key depression in a whole generation because of suppression because of because of racism because of economy because there hasn't been any hope and so that's been our thing is to say no listen um let's change from the inside out and it's not it's not a list of it's not one of those things where you get a ring and you're pure forever kind of thing. Yeah. It's not It's yeah. not a set of rules. It's actually a thing of healing. It's because, a, it's a journey. Yeah, yeah, you have to start, you can't choose better until you realize who you are and that mm-hmm. you, you also can't heal until you're safe. There's no way, like psychologically and spiritually, you can't heal if you keep getting hurt by the same thing. So yeah. pure should be a place of safety so you can begin to heal and actually rehab from the way you thought before because yeah, yeah. i'll be honest we see the repercussions of all this stuff like people don't think it's majorly bad like to be a bit involved in porn or to have like to sleep around a little bit or to do this or to do that but we see the results later if not now we see them later in the marriages and the the families and from generation to generation the secrets perpetuate and everybody believing the lie that I'm, my stuff has been too bad for Jesus to even come near. So how are you going to worship God or even live for God or do something for God when you feel like I'm dirty? And the mm. thing is, when he's cleaned you, he's cleaned you and he's able to come into those areas and sort them out. So I think that's the desire. And just that we would be a place, that church would be like a proper family, that we would talk about what needs to be talked about, yeah, you know? Yeah.
like Christian parents like acting like and it's not just Christian parents it's all people like just acting they either go too liberal and they're getting their kids birth control or they just like you can't say the word you know and meanwhile their kids know they did it you know it's like ridiculous when it's just part of we can talk about a spirit we have to talk about all the things all the things yeah um i want us to to close the the the, the chat unfortunately we're to shut it down um (laughs) but you you mentioned how it shows up later on Mm. in the marriages and so on but i want to speak about that night last year uh, you were talking about um, I, think, I don't remember the topic one of those four topics that we had mm-hmm. and but you asked you know the kids um, if they had any thoughts of suicide and or taking their own lives and so a lot of hands go up um, so clearly some of the stuff that normally shows up later is now showing up earlier on in the, in the mm-hmm. life of teens you know so like how do we how can you how can you advise parents um, on, on that you know, Do you check on your kids All the time Do you spend time with them I mean the Teenagers don't want to be With their parents as well You know So how yeah. How do we I, I mean I have family? teenagers Yeah So I, I know But I think From a From a spiritual level I would first deal with The secrets mm. I think the parents Have to deal with Their own secrets And until they deal with their own secrets, they can't deal with their teenagers' lives and life choices. Mm. Because teenagers pick up hypocrisy quicker than anything else. Yeah. And so I think we've wondered and we've we've looked down on a generation making bad decisions when we haven't taken responsibility for our decisions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so the Bible says you'll turn the heart of the father to the children and the children to the father. Mm. And the first part of that is the fathers and the mothers have to see like you can't be I've I've seen it parents like literally slamming their kids for a porn addiction when they are literally having affairs doing their own thing yeah. and so harsh with their children yeah. judging them bringing in a religious thing or bringing in like a freak syndrome and meanwhile it's their stuff our kids are in, they are comforted directly by our lives and choices yeah. and so I think like I've seen, like, even when we do, like, last year, there was, like, I'd say 70 to 80% of kids put their hands up for yeah. having suicidal thoughts. That's serious. That's, yeah. I want to yeah, die thoughts. Serious. That's not even anxious, yeah. you know? And I think that comes from a pile-up of secrets and shame. And and with this generation, the next generation, there's also just a general malaise, like a general melancholic feel of like they've lost their drive like millennials were like boom boom let's go out there let's do the things and like gen z's are like "Mm," you know they've got a lot of knowledge but now they're gonna have to push through an entirely different atmosphere and so the work needs to come from the older generation cleaning up you can't clean them up because often people they just want to drop their kids and get us to sort them out it doesn't work like that because their mental health is is really affected and then physically you've got to at least have dinner with them like at the table at least once a week you know find out like give them a seat at the table talk to them it's not enough now and this is to all South African parents to just feed your kids and educate them you've got to give them a life where they have a say when they can have a conversation and feel valued and heard they've got to be given affirmation they've got to be given unconditional love and yeah i think just on those two things we would see a major change it doesn't deal with all the issues but it creates a space of safety we're not going to heal 
as a nation until we have safety. And safety means creating homes and environments and giving people a seat at the table to actually begin to talk and say like, listen, um, you, you are valued, you are seen and you're not alone. And I think so many people and their families um, feel isolated and alone. So many marriages, so many, I've seen more hands go up in a room full of like over 40s, like for major addictions and stuff and like deep dark sexual problems because they've never been able to tell and then they wonder why their children are struggling because it's generational, you know? Now we don't need any more bars. Thank you very much for coming. Thank through. you for having me. Hey, God bless you. Thank, you. thank you very much. So, yeah, man, I think if you've listened to this episode, go listen to it again. It's not really deep stuff, but it's deep stuff, <laughs> deep and relevant stuff. Thank you very much, Rush. Really appreciate See it. See you, Bonga. Thank you for having me. Let's read to inspire with Ndalam Kiza. We're out of here. Cheers, <laughs> eh? Thank you. I'm gonna drink your water. <laughs>